0: Welcome to the twelfth episode of the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. I'm your host Jason Chen. Joining me is Mike Amato. Mike, how you doing?
1: I'm doing okay, Jason. It could be could be a bit better for your Sleepers and Keepers podcast host this weekend. We had <laughs> uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs losing to the lowly Chicago Blackhawks, and then the Vancouver Canucks losing to the Sharks. Not uh, not a couple of games you saw coming.
0: No, but although going into that matchup, I I was a little afraid because the Canucks start stop playing sixty minutes, and I feel like that one hurts more because we kicked their butts ten to one, and I feel like that was a bit of karma coming in or a revenge
1: game for the Sharks. Yeah, yeah,
0: a little bit, and they have been trending up. Yeah, too. Like they were playing not so terrible. They're not, you know, you're not walking over like you were in October, and I feel like with the Leafs. At least you could say they have Connor Bedard. You know, like who do the Sharks have? A bunch <laughs> yeah. of nobodies. Sorry, but and it, it feels like much the, there.
1: It feels like the. I'm really interested to see kind of where the Canucks go from here because it feels like they're kind of like, trend like not trending down but coming back down to earth a bit. But they've also yeah. banked. They've banked like so many points that they don't have to play that great probably the rest of the way. Like to maybe get in still. So like, I want to see how they kind of, if they completely fall apart or if they just play good enough and they still find a way to get into the playoffs because yeah, think, they, they had such a torrid start.
0: I think they'll be fine. Cause as you said, they've banked so many points and, and you know, the flames are coming back a little bit, but Vegas yeah. is dropping. The Oilers are still losing games. So I don't see how the Canucks really lose that spot unless the Kraken somehow go on a tear as well. But the West in general, I feel like, the playoff picture is already pretty much set. There's a bunch of
1: teams struggling. There's um, a lot of teams there that had bad starts that are going to have a tough time getting yeah. out of it.
0: And we just had the American Thanksgiving. That's kind of your unofficial cutoff date. That's right. So there's a lot of other teams struggling too. The Devils were struggling until Kesia came back.
1: Yeah, the Devils for me this year I've been you know uh, on a list of disappointing teams right near right near the top because they were, they should be so much better. Like it's another team to me, like, you know, similar to the Oilers where they should have two, two fantasy relevant goalies and, and both guys haven't been great this year. Um, they've had a lot of injuries too. Like Meyer's been hit or miss when he's been in the lineup. So it's been really tough, tough year for the Devils.
0: Yeah. And Mercer hasn't lived up to expectations.
1: Yeah. He was a bit better when, when Hughes uh, was injured and he got that bump up, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a tough one for him too. There's been some bright spots like Luke Hughes, I think is has been a bit of a bright spot there, but yeah, for the most part um, given how they played last year, just a lot of uh, a lot of disappointing players in fantasy.
0: This is kind of the tough time of the year, about a month or two in where you get injuries and fatigue And I don't know if you look at the schedule, but it's a bit condensed from uh, Thanksgiving after till the first few two weeks of December or so. Um, Elias Pedersen struggling. Um, There's been talk that his wrist is not so good. And you can kind of see it too, because he's always been a bit of a pass first player, but he's really hesitating on shooting the puck these days. And it's kind of frustrating because you watch him play and you think he's going to pull the trigger, but no, he wants that pretty pass kind of like the Sedins where they always just cycle it until they get that perfect pass. And when it gr- works, it's great. But when it doesn't, it's, it's really frustrating to watch sometimes.
1: Yeah, there was uh it's definitely been a quiet five or six games for Pedersen. there was like a kind of a JFK thing with his wrist taped on uh Friday night, <laughs> like an uh, inquest and is he really hurt? And and, you know, does he always have his wrist tape like that? And what does that taping mean? I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter, but probably it's probably something minor he's dealing with. I'm guessing if it was serious, um, the Canucks would probably hold him out. But, yeah, it looks like something's bugging him. He doesn't look like the same player uh, he did for, like, the first month of the year.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, your Leafs, too, Matthews and Marner, a little quiet these days.
1: Yeah, more than more than a little, I think, Uh <laughs> Matthews no points in five of his past six games he's been pretty quiet uh Martin just looks all year he just looks not quite the same to me like it doesn't look like he's impacting the game as much dominating as much I don't know if that's just like the type of player he is um he can still put up a lot of points without being super noticeable because sometimes you think that you know, he's, he's not doing much. And then you look up and he's got like 12 points in 11 games or something like that. And maybe it's just Nylander too has emerged so much that he's kind of overshadowing him a bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Matthews is as well as he's one of those guys that like he can explode, right? He's got the three hat tricks this year. But then he can also be a little bit quiet at times. I don't know. We'll see what they do. I think the real path forward for this team is to split up those core four players, onto three different lines. I'd like to see them try that. I'd like to see them at center. Uh, I don't know about Neilander at center, but <laughs> Neilander on his own line. Matthew's on his own line. And then I put Martin and bars together to see what they can do because yeah, I don't know. It just feels like they, they've done Matthews and Martin forever and it works for stretches really well. And, and then it goes quiet at times. And I think, I think, I think the opposing teams like when the Leafs do that too, because I think a lot of teams say, look, we have two centers we're confident in that can check two lines. We have two defensive pairs we're confident in that can check two lines. But if you break them up over, you know, three different lines, I think they'd be more effective. I think one of them would get a good matchup almost all the time um, against an opponent's, you know, third center or, or or third pairing D. I think it would just put them in a, a much better spot. But they don't want to break they don't want to break up those those four. The knee-liner Tavares, Matthews yeah. Marner, I know the, LL, like
0: the uh, Carolina committee. Uh, approach where they really spread out the talent on their three lines, which yeah. is not so good for fantasy. But it was actually encouraged to see that Matthew Nice can score against teams that's not the lightning.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like <laughs> who would have thought, oh my God. Yeah, he's kind of been hit or miss on that top line too. He's had mm-hmm. some really good games um mm-hmm. there. So I, I'm hoping he sticks because he's a good fantasy asset if he can play with those two.
0: Uh speaking of guys who are really quiet and then <clears throat> you look at the score sheet and go, holy crap uh, Jason Robertson always struck me as that type of player, um, partially because Pavelski's are on the net all the time, so you know it's him and his white stick. Uh, Hints is always flying up and down the ice. Um, but Jason Robertson, going into the season, he was pretty much, at worst, a top 10 fantasy pick. Not so this season. Do you think he's just going through a slump like Matthews and Marner, or, or do you think that maybe... This is as good as he gets like he's a good player, but not an elite player.
1: Robertson is so interesting to me because I've had so many people ask, like, what do I do with Robertson? What's wrong with Robertson? And I keep when I see that stuff, I'm like, am I missing something? What's going on with Robertson? And I look and, I look, and he's got like, you know, 18 points in, in 19 games like that's yeah, pretty put, good, right? game. Yeah. Yeah. Like people's expectations are so high when they draft. And I guess when you draft somebody in the top 10 in your league, like you're expecting 100 points. Uh, from that player and I think it just kind of brings back like a couple of things like number one I don't think production is linear you know just because someone had 100 points last year doesn't mean they're going to get 100 points this year 110 points and the next year they're going to get 115 points it doesn't necessarily work that way and I think the second thing I'd point out and not that you know Robertson was a bad pick because you know I'm I'm guilty of it too I had him ranked um, in the I think just outside the top 10 but I had him Mm -hmm. ranked very high as well Um, and it kind of ties into like something I was writing about Sidney Crosby when you're picking in the first, second, third rounds, I think you want to pick with as little, like as little risk as possible and not that, you know, Robertson was a big risk, but he's only had one huge year, right? Like last year was, was really great, but it just kind of, it's funny when like we put a guy like Sidney Crosby below. Uh, a Robertson, a Kirill Kaprizov, or a Tage Thompson, and then you realize, like, wow, those guys really, you know, haven't done it for that long, even though they've they've had like a really good year, a breakout year. Um, but Crosby's like so consistent, and you look at a guy like Robertson, it's almost like recency bias. We we see a player like that break out, we want to grab him early, but you know, he he might just be a point per game player. He might not be a hundred point player, you know, per, like annually or consistently.
0: Yeah, I think. The moral of the story is basically you can't miss with your first or second round yeah, picks.
1: you can't. Yeah.
0: Especially in if you're, say, a deeper league, 12, 14 teams, because especially if you're picking late, if you're picking late, yes, you do get the snake pick. But I mean, in the middle rounds, you're really losing a lot of uh, quality.
1: Yeah. Like I think someone like, I'd have to double check, but I think in a lot of drafts, someone like Kale McCarr probably went below Robertson, I, I bet. Just because he missed like a bunch of time last year. Um, and he's a defenseman. Yeah, and he's a defenseman. But to me, that's a safer pick than a Robertson, even though maybe Robertson's coming off the better year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, take all your gambles, all your risks with the later picks, because if you screw those up, you can easily find replacements for those guys. Yeah.
0: Crosby's a nice segue because I did want to touch on the Pens. So yeah. their power play stinks. <laughs> um, there's no, no nice way to put it. Um, and so to rectify that, and also because Brian and Rickard Raquel are injured, they split up Gino and Sid on the power play. And we almost never see this on the power play. And so one unit they have Crosby, Gensel, Henestrosa, Zahorna, and Eric Carlson. And on the other unit, they have Evgeny Malkin, Jeff Carter, Alex Nylander, Riley Smith, and Chris Letang. And obviously, these units would look a lot better if Rustin and Raquel were around. But this does not breed a lot of confidence. And I think even going to the beginning of the season, when Carlson was really struggling to get, run that power play, I thought that they should have just put Letang back on the power play, the first unit, and then let Carlson kind of work his way up uh, rather than plugging him right away because he plays such a different style.
1: Yeah, the, like some of the names you mentioned there are not names I would I would associate on Powerplay one. <laughs> like,
0: like Jeff Carter, my God, he hasn't been yeah. relevant in what five years or, at uh, least. Inestrosa. Uh, yeah, Zara,
1: like those guys are probably not rostered anywhere. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't like when teams do that. Um, because I almost find you're just sort of like cannibalizing your own power play. And, yeah,
0: everyone you know, suffers.
1: Yeah, everyone suffers. It's not good. Um, you're probably gonna in that case, you're probably gonna split the minutes pretty evenly too, um, which isn't ideal. I think if you have a power play one player, you want that player to play almost, you know, 75% of the power play, like 90 seconds, let's say, um, in a perfect world. But yeah, it it's depends to me. I don't know. They it, it looks like something's missing with them. They're just they're not deep enough. And I think you know, splitting up the two units like that almost makes them. You know, like less deep, which is. Well, just, like...
0: I I feel like it's
1: easier to defend.
0: Yeah, because you only was... need to keep an eye on one or two guys on each unit.
1: Yeah, and I think like with Carlson, you mentioned tang Like I I'm sure by acquiring him, you know they invested a lot in him, and they're yeah they're going to play on power play one, and they're going to give him big minutes. And there's just a way that he has to play to be effective, but. Yeah, it's uh, it hasn't been ideal there. Like Crosby's been good, Malkin's been good, but yeah, like there's not the point a ton of production beyond is there.
0: That. Yeah, the point yeah. production is there. It's just not as good as you think.
1: No, it's uh, it's the the Pens are a different team now. They're being propped up by players in their late thirties, which is never good. But yeah, they're they're also <laughs> in a bit of a cap hell, and they don't have a lot of players to support these guys.
0: By average age, I think they are the league's uh
1: oldest team i think so too yeah i think
0: they're the only team that's whose average age starts with a three
1: (laughs) yeah and and it's and it's kind of like it's kind of sad because like we said malkin crosby still playing at a pretty elite level Right, Mm -hmm. like if they Mm could have if they were just in a better and those guys didn't really have like crosby doesn't have an outrageous contract right like no they should be in a better cap state where they could surround those guys with um, some better talent, but I guess part of it too is they've traded a lot of young players in draft capital away that could be playing for them on the cheap, um, yeah, just to kind but, of stay competitive too.
0: Yeah, and Carlson takes a big chunk of that. Yeah, cap base, and I think part of his optics—you don't want to make a trade for a Norris winner and then play him on the second unit. People are going to be no. like, Well, what the hell did you trade him for?
1: Yeah, that, and that didn't. That, that's why that trade didn't make sense to me. You're adding like, and I know like the Sharks retained some, but. You're adding another aging cap hit to that team, where it's almost like you'd be better off spreading that money around to, you know, some players in the top nine or a couple of defensemen. But yeah, it's it's just tough for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I I don't know if that changes the Pens' outlook for me. They're on the outside looking in for the playoffs. It seems like, but as far as production goes, I think you you just have to keep holding on to Carlson uh, and Gino and Sid and Matthews and Marner and Jason Robertson and just hope that they come around or get on a hot streak because at the end of the season, those guys are still really good fantasy players.
1: hundred percent. And you're almost always going to lose a trade for those players. And there's <laughs> always people lurking to buy low. So yeah, I think mean, you just got to ride it out and, and I'm sure they'll, they'll catch fire again eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: sp- Speaking of players who should turn it around, um, I mean, he's not turning around, but he might be joining a team soon. Patrick Kane is expected to sign this coming week, according to Elliot Friedman. Um, I think we're getting a little overhyped about Patrick Kane because what are we getting here? We're getting an old player, probably second line, maybe for his power play, but he's got to get used to his new team. He's, he hasn't, he's not like an elite scorer anymore, even though he's still very good. So, is he worth rostering? Is he worth picking up? And where where do you think he lands? What's the best team for him?
1: I think he's worth taking a chance on. Um, you know, I think at this point, if you've been stashing him um, on on your roster somewhere, it's, it's worth holding on to see what happens. If he's available in your league, you could see where it goes. But it, it can kind of go a lot of different ways with those kind of hip injuries in the later years of your career. We just saw kind of Nicholas Backstrom try to come back and and not be able to to kind okay. of continue on. So hopefully that doesn't happen to Kane. Obviously hips are uh, hugely important in, in <laughs> hockey for skating. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, to me, Kane's also not, um, he was never a player that kind of relied on speed. You know, he's very mm-hmm. sort of cerebral, great passer, good hockey sense. So I don't think it will affect him that much as long as he's, you know, essentially healthy. Um, the team part's interesting. I, you know, Detroit seems like, a really good fit for him. They're a lot better. They have, um, you know, some players I can score now in the top six. They, they look like they're a bit more potent offensively. Um, Florida, I think too, could use him. Those are the two, two teams I think would, would probably be the best fits for him. Maybe Buffalo too, but Buffalo has so many,
0: Buffalo's not making the playoffs. He's going to sign a team that's going to want to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless he's signing like a two-year deal in Buffalo or something. Buffalo has so many forwards, young forwards. Like it sounds like Zach Benson's staying up now all year. Um, They just called
0: up Yuri Kulich and Isaac Rosen too. Yeah,
1: they've got Tage Thompson who's going to come back at some point. Um, They've got a lot of talented players, so I just don't know where he'd fit there. And then if you bring him in, are you bumping one of your younger players down or out of the lineup that you want to get minutes? So I have a feeling it's going to be Detroit or Florida. What do you think? I think Detroit seems likely. Um, I can imagine a line
0: with DeBrincat, Larkin, and Kane just going off. I think that would be a good fit for him. Florida, I think, might be more of a lifestyle thing. Um, yeah. Not that they're a bad team. I think they're a good team. Um, but I'm not sure Kane is what either team needs. Um, I look around the league, and it seems like, unless you're a bad team, you're not looking for offense. I think league-wide... The problem for a lot of these better teams is defense and goaltending.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot will depend on like the price too, right? Like yeah. if Kane is is coming in at a pretty, you know, favorable, friendly deal. Um, yeah, I agree. Like Florida and Detroit probably don't need, I think Florida maybe needs scoring a little bit more than Detroit does, but mm-hmm. I think if they're getting him at a good price, they're not going to mind too much, but mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of teams out there that could, could use help in net and, and on D. Yeah.
0: Taylor Hall. um, We just heard that he's out for the season, knee injury. Um, The Blackhawks have been running a top line of Connor Bedard between Phil Kurushev and Lucas Reichel. That line's been really good. Kurushev's actually been hot, um, but that is really their only line to speak of. Yeah. Um, Bedard's on pace for 50 goals, by the way. That's (laughs) incredible to me.
1: I know, like I'm just wondering, you know, uh, Athanasius hurt to um, Corey Perry's away from the team. Like, who, who's? Mm-hmm. I wonder if the Blackhawks have to bring in um, some players for Bedard to play with. I know <laughs> Kirch has been been okay, Reichel's been better, but yeah, I know they kind of juggled their their top power play too. Um, people were asking me about Korczynski. Mm. Is he rosterable now? And I think my my response is like, you know, not every top power play. Um, is a good power play, <laughs> not everybody on every top power play needs to be rostered. I think the Blackhawks are thirtieth in the league on the power play, so I'm not racing out to to grab a lot of these guys. I think like Reichel is interesting to me um, because I, I kind of liked him in the preseason. I had him ranked in my rankings. I thought he would get. It good too. Yeah, it's just he started off so slow this year. He took him forever to like get on those the score sheet. Well, so.
0: I mean, he was drafted as a center. And they tried to play him as a number two center, and that just didn't really yeah. work. I think left wing is probably better for him, at least at this point in his career. It's kind of like Nylander. Nylander, yeah, can he play center? Yeah, probably. Does he do it well? Mm, not really.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the Blackhawks have some offensive firepower. Khrushchev, as long as he keeps passing the puck, but Dardard, I think there's some... Fantasy value there. I did want to go on a little tangent though. So I was wondering all if right. there are any fantasy categories that you have trouble with every year. For me, it's assists.
1: Oh, every so yeah. single
0: year, assists. I'm just so bad at it. I'm good with goals. I'm good with shots. I'm good with all the hits and blocks and everything. Assists kill me every year, and I I don't know how to scout it or I don't know how to draft for it.
1: I'm actually that's always one of my best categories. Although <laughs> I fi- although I find it can fluctuate. Um, like week to week in head to head leagues because just some there's yeah. a lot of like some weeks you just get a lot of like second assists and fortunate mm-hmm. assists. Um but yeah I think for me uh I would say more like hits or blocks always a struggle. Oh, really? Um I try to draft I, I don't really draft specialists in those categories or grab specialists. I try to grab more balanced players and I find sometimes I fall a bit short in those areas. Maybe because I don't like carrying an extra defenseman. Um, sometimes I will do that just to try and get more blocks if I if I find I'm really suffering. I just find I always lose. Like in the last, I think two of the last three years, I've lost in the playoffs by one block shot. So that's probably like oh. my most my most frustrating category, like in a head-to-head league, I'd say blocks. But yeah, I, I hear you with assists. Like some weeks I can put up 30 assists with my team. And then some weeks it's like 14, 15. And you're like, <laughs> what's, what's the difference? It's just maybe like... An extra pass somewhere like canceled out a second assist that you would have got, or it's 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 a funny category sometimes. Every week
0: I feel like either my goals and assists are equal, or my goals are higher than my assists. Yeah, it's it, just it, strange. I I do think when it comes to projections, and I do a little bit, goals and shots are just more reliable. Yeah, with assists, are. it's totally out the window, and I don't know. I don't really draft a lot of playmakers, so you know, I don't
1: see. Fine. One thing about my my league, we have faceoff wins as a category, mm. and almost every forward I have takes faceoffs. So I try to find guys with dual eligibility. So I think for assists, that helps me because if you win the faceoff, sometimes you're just naturally getting that second assist because, like, if it's in the offensive zone, maybe a pass or two, and it's in the net, and then you're picking up an assist that way. So I think that's like an indirect way um, that kind of boosts my assists. Right. Okay.
0: Fine. By the way, JT Confer. <laughs> Left wing, right wing, but no
1: center even though he's No center, straight. still no. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> I've was... got him. I'm rostering him. Yeah, he takes a lot that. He's a perfect fit for my league, right? Because you can play yeah. him on the wing and he takes a lot of face-offs.
0: Yeah. So guys like JT Miller, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, those guys always carry extra value. Even yeah, though they never it. play the wing, they just have that position eligibility, which is... Yeah, it's perfect. Strange. Although
1: I, I noticed, yeah, not to go too far on a tangent, but I noticed Yahoo's not being as, as uh, generous this year with the the eligibility I find there's not as many players that have that wing eligibility that play center
0: yeah and it's also i don't know what the criteria is there's no clear
1: criteria someone told me one time that it's like if they play three games i told you on the wing oh no (laughs) was it you as well or someone told me that clearly
0: i should eat my own words because they're not doing it
1: yeah i think i thought it was like three games but i've seen players play three games like scott lawton I've watched him play like multiple games on the wing this year and he's still only center eligible. Unless it's like three games in a row. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Strange. doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Anyway, back on topic. Uh, We should rip through these uh, a little faster. (laughs) Andre Kuzmenko, a healthy scratch Friday versus Seattle. Totally, totally understood. He's not, it's not scoring. It's not playing that well in his own end. It's not driving play a lot. And then he sits out second straight game Saturday versus the Sharks.
1: Yeah, that was a funny one for me because I feel like if you're trying to get somebody going or get them right, like a game against the Sharks, probably a good idea to get well, them but in.
0: But also sitting two straight games is is a really, you know, big message. Like Patrick Liney sat out one game.
1: It could be like some coaches don't like changing a winning lineup. I think they beat the Kraken right on Friday. Yeah, so probably. maybe they didn't want to change the lineup going into Saturday. Some coaches are like that, but I don't know how this is even possible but somehow like Kuzmenko is shooting at a lower rate than he did last year. Like I was looking at it. He well, he's, he's on,
0: expected to, right? Well,
1: no, but I'm saying uh, just a shot volume. Oh, like, shot volume, not percentage, like, right? Yeah, right. like he he, sh- he had 143 shots last year. He's on pace for like 120 right now, 121. So, like the only way he wasn't going to regress majorly is if he got those shots up, right? Like if he got shots up to like 200, let's say, even if that shooting percentage dips, which we knew it was going to because it was like 27% last year. There's no way he was going to keep that up. You know, maybe he could still be a 25-30 goal scorer if he got to like 200 shots. But if he's shooting even less than last year, like, he'll be lucky to get 20 goals at this pace. And it's frustrating because, you know, he was getting lots of power play time. He was playing with Pedersen. Like, he was a great pick, right? There's not more... Not much more you can ask for um, for one of your guys on your fantasy roster. Like it's Should have gone with early on the Yeah, like Mikheyev's <laughs> taken advantage of it, right? Yeah. Like Kuzmenko isn't. So I don't know. It's been a tricky one. Um, I saw – I've seen him get dropped a lot the last week or so. Obviously, the scratches will do that. But, you know, since they lost to the Sharks, I have a feeling he's going to get back in next game. I still like him. I still like him long-term, even though he's he struggled. Like someone asked me in my mailbag this week, who would you rather – have eric Halla or andre kuzmenko and i like over the rest of the season i still said kuzmenko because i think yeah. when the devils get healthy hola goes goes back down i think when kuzmenko comes back like they're gonna keep playing him in the top six right so Howell i don't only know it, has it's a tough fantasy,
0: one yeah how only has fantasy value if he's playing with jackie use
1: yeah but that, that was my point like when he shoots back and myers back like hola probably goes down to the third line or something right whereas i think i don't think the canucks are gonna play kuzmenko down there i could You'd probably know that better than me, but... If
0: anything, the Canucks' bottom six has actually been quite good. Yeah. Like, that (laughs) third line with Joshua and Garland and and Lugo or Suter, whoever's at center, has actually been really good. I would hold Kuzmenko. I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, I'm a little concerned about the upside, but he is going to draw back into the lineup soon. Um, But as you said, if his shooting uh, rate doesn't go up, there's no chance he's going to be worth his... Uh, drop position or or be able to replicate what he did last year.
1: Yeah, and maybe part of the problem too is we, we talked a little bit about like is is Pedersen hurting a bit? Like he's been mm. he's been quieter in the last five or six games, so that's not helping Kuzmenko. But yeah, I think longer term, I mean, he, he seems like he seems like a pure scorer, and we know that you know ninety five percent of pure scores go on some pretty cold streaks, and then they score in bunches. So yeah, if you can, the problem like the problem is when you don't shoot a lot. And you go on a cold streak, it's really tough to hold a player like that, right? In in fantasy, because yep. you're not getting the shot volume. So I, I would try and hold if you can, or just if he was dropped in your league, keep an eye out because he could get back going soon.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily about production too uh, for sitting Kuzmanko. It's more about his effort level. Yeah. So there, there's no, there's no issues with his talent there. Yeah. Um, one player who actually might be drawing back into the lineup soon as well, is Gabe Velarde. So we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, The Jets said he might return on this road trip. I don't know if he's going to play tonight or not, but Villardi had actually been playing really well in the first three games of the season before he got hurt. On that top line, Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor, I feel like he's a bit forgotten, and I feel like he might be a good stash.
1: Yeah, I think he is. I I think the Jets have been playing pretty well and what mm-hmm. kind of um I'd be concerned if I was rostering like an eye or even a perfetti or an Ealers in that top six, like what, what's it going to look like when um Velarde comes back? Um, Rick bonus Rick, Rick is back too, right? That's no, another thing. He's... Like we know um he's interested. going to die. <laughs> well, I think Ealers, I think Ealers benefited. Like uh, he was actually playing. Okay. The last uh-huh. little stretch there, but I wonder what, his minutes are going to look like soon. But, um, yeah, I wonder how that's going to shape up. I think I follow probably going to go down. Um, I
0: think he's the most logical choice.
1: Yeah. But like, like I said, like a lot of those guys have been playing really well. Like Connor has been scoring a ton. Um, perfetti, nemestikov have been playing really well.
0: nemestikov like, has been really surprising. I yeah. like him to really go on this tear.
1: So that's why, like, you're almost you're almost doing it by default. Like, you're, there's not really an... I think it's... I guess it's I Follow, but there's not really someone you can look at and say yeah, that guy deserves to go down. So it's going to be curious to see what they do.
0: Well, I think I Follow too, when he got bumped up, he didn't really produce offensively. I think he's more of a third-wheel role player, a kind of a puck retriever guy. Yeah. So he's not going to be really setting up guys up or finishing plays. Um, his skill set just reminds me more of a player who plays in the bottom six um but that's kind of the danger sometimes sometimes when a player moves up to the top six you think oh he's gonna get a boost or he's gonna get a spike um doesn't really happen all
1: the time no sometimes the that player is just essentially there to, to dig pucks out and create space <laughs> for some of those higher end players and yeah it doesn't yeah, always like, translate uh, into fantasy.
0: It's like Henness and Zahorna and Jeff
1: Carter on the power play. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you just kind of need yeah. warm bodies there.
1: Yeah, they're just they're just around. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I I, I think you're probably right. I follow probably does go down um, when Velarde's mm-hmm. back. It's tough for velardi too, because he had a really good start to the season. Like not I know the, like the numbers weren't huge, but you could see his shot volume was really high. Like you could see it coming for him. So hopefully he can get sort of recapture some of that when he gets back. Yeah.
0: All right. So, last topic on the recent league news. Uh, this is a big one. Andre Vasilevsky has returned, and they blew out the Hurricanes eight to two.
1: That was a wild game. That's <laughs> we can talk about that Ranta's, after, but
0: yeah, Varanta but faced like what fourteen shots, I think.
1: So, so just quickly, there's like several things that were shocking to me. Like number one, number one, the fact that Ranta started that game after leaving the previous game, mm-hmm. like with some kind of precautionary injury reasons. Yeah, I thought yeah, for yeah. sure. Um
0: Kachekov, right? What?
1: Yeah, they would go they would go to Kachekov. And that and that's number two is like the, the canes seem so hesitant to to turn to Kachekov in like any situation. They seem so hesitant to like lean on him at all. And he hasn't played he- that well though. I know but like Ranta hasn't either and then <laughs> and then they get You know they leave Ranta in for all eight goals in that game. Like uh, like, that—that
0: was surprising to me.
1: Kachekov is sitting there. They—they're not playing the next night, so you can easily go to. You can put Kachekov in there. Like that was—that was a wild. And like not to say like Kucherov, I think was potentially on the ice for all eight goals. He's had six points. Um, he he looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, like it's funny. He doesn't get talked about a lot, but kind of watching him closely the last in the playoffs against the leafs like the last couple of years. Like I don't know how hot how uh, hot of a take this is, but like when he's focused and dialed in, like outside of McDavid, he he he's the scariest player in the league to me. Oh like, yeah. he's in the offensive zone, like he's unbelievable. Like I like he's
0: got eyes on the back of his head. Some of oh, his yeah. backhand passes are just you think to nowhere but it ends up on someone's stick. And I yeah. wrote at the beginning of the season if it's not McDavid or Dreisaitl challenging for the Ross, Kucherov is the biggest challenger.
1: Yeah, it it just I feel like for stretches though he kind of gets like distracted and gets kind of chippy and he loses his focus and sometimes he like
0: he has he's a little a bit, bit of, like that, a, a little le, bit sometimes like that
1: a little like Alexei Kovalev in him where he just kind of like goes <laughs> through the motions for a couple of shifts. But man, when he's on, like it is, it is a different. He game. is fun to watch. Yeah, actually, he, he really is.
0: I'll one-up you. I think the most overlooked underrated player in the league is Braden Point. That guy is incredible. Yeah.
1: He's up there, too. But I think because a lot of his style of play, too, is very quiet. Like, if you told a lot of people last year that he had 50 goals, I don't think anybody would have known that yeah. like he's the quietest 50-goal season I've ever seen. But, yeah, I yeah. know. You're right. But, anyways, uh, Vasilevsky is back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we digress there. Um, So, I think, obviously – To me, Johansson's value plummets. I don't think he's going to have much value anymore. I don't think he was playing that great anyway. Like He was giving up four Mm -hmm. or five goals a lot. He had a a decent stretch where he had a couple of shutouts in a row, but for the most part, he was getting the odd win, but kind of sinking your other numbers. And I do think Vasilevsky (laughs) this year, like an early playoff exit, two months off to start the season, I think he's going to play a ton, and I think he's probably going to look better than he's looked in a long time.
0: The fact that Tampa is has this record right now with Johansson and Tompkins as net was, was really really surprising to me. And I think if you had Jonas Johansson, I, I dropped Johansson a week before I heard Vasilevsky was gonna come back. And I think yeah. for the rest of the season, he probably doesn't have that much value.
1: No, he's a true backup, he's gonna play here and there, maybe in back-to-back situations. And like I said, you know, with Vasilevsky missing the first two months, like he can play a lot more. Down the stretch here. And yeah, like Tampa's in a great spot. That whole division, like, you know, it's frustrating if you're if you're a Leafs fan because Tampa, no Vasilevsky, and it seemed to really didn't impact them at all. Florida, missing their best two defensemen for the first two months. They're back now, and they're in a great position. You know, the Bruins, we know no Bergeron, no Krejci. A lot of players left. They're in a phenomenal no spot. Yeah, no problem at all. So if you're Detroit or Toronto or... Ottawa or whoever in that division, you're probably pretty, pretty frustrated right now because it's like those teams didn't miss a beat. Yeah, agreed.
0: Uh, we should stick with goalies though, because I think there's been a lot going on. So let's start with the Caps. Charlie Lindgren stealing the net from Darcy Kemper. Uh,
1: he had a tough outing his his last time out, but mm-hmm. before that he was really good. Uh, and I think this might mention, be more of a timeshare now, though. I think so. I don't think he's stealing it, but I think Kemper is going to play less because. Like Lind- Lindgren's been so good um, for them. He's really like very quietly. Um, like we, we kind of talked about how bad the Caps were. They're in, like 9-2-1, and one, I think. Okay. last. 12 this is games. the most
0: hilarious thing. They're winning games, but they have a negative goal differential.
1: I know, but like they're back in it like – like Lindgren's been playing well for them. I, I, I
0: did not think the caps would be higher than the pens in the standings.
1: No, I, that's to me. That's so shocking. I thought they were dead in the water. They did not look mm-hmm. good. They look like a slow team, but yeah, I don't think Lindgren takes over the net entirely, but I think he, I think he has more value now than, than like a for Devin sure. Levi and a Kirish Mead, a Piotr Kachekov. Like, I think he's the guy you want to roster. I think if,
0: I mean, if I had Devin Levi, I probably would have dropped in weeks ago. Yeah. But that Buffalo net is just a mess. I don't think Comrie or Lukanen have really taken over at any point. I don't think any of the three look better than the other. And Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, the three teams that we talked up going into the season. Detroit's the only one that hasn't really disappointed.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, I, and my point was more just... All, of all the zero-G guys we talked about in the preseason, like I don't think we even mentioned Lindgren once, and he probably has no. more value than 90% of them right now. Yeah. And, I mean, Detroit wouldn't be here without Alex, Alex Lyon, eh? Yeah. Another another great you know what you know, the, guy to pick up.
0: You know what the funny thing about Alex Lyon is? So he had been the number three basically all season. Lily Huso has a kid, so he stays behind in Detroit when they go to Sweden. That's when Alex Lyon gets his first start of the season and then he goes yeah. on this tear so imagine if billy huso like didn't stay behind because his uh because for of his uh kids uh uh birth i mean if that didn't happen we have no alex Lyon.
1: yeah i mean same thing last year in florida right like lion got a shot and he based, like he's basically the reason the panthers made the playoffs like they yeah. were not making the playoffs without his heroic so He's been good. Like he he had another great game today. 37 save victory. Yeah. Um, three out of the last four. I think uh, Detroit has Montreal and Chicago next week on the schedule. That's a, if you picked up line, I'd hold him for at least another week to see if uh, he can take over more of that net because Huso hasn't been that great. Uh, he's just been okay for me. Reimer, uh, I don't think he's really a factor right now. I have a feeling he could get moved or waived. Um, so, cause it's not ideal to carry three goalies and he sort of seems no. like the odd man out. So even if, even if Lyon gets more of a timeshare on a better team, he's still a good asset.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. Cause they play the Rangers and the Hawks Wednesday, Thursday, but that's a back to back with travel. And then they yeah. play the Habs on Saturday. So we'll see. I picked up Lyon uh, on Friday because I figured he might play the Minnesota game. So pat on the back for myself. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, sure, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But I, I do think Alex Lyon has a chance to really run away with the job here. I do think at some point they might go back to the rotation. Uh, Billy Huso I had no confidence with. James Primer is interesting because if he stays in Detroit, I think he'll figure into the rotation. He's been pretty good. Not bad. If he gets traded he gets a big fantasy boost because the idea being that he gets traded to a team that really needs goaltending
1: yeah and i think i think we talked about this before the show but i think he'd be a good fit for the oilers just a stopgap guy that can you know you know reimer's floor is pretty good like he's never mm-hmm. that bad and uh i think for a struggling team in net he, he'd give them some stability it probably wouldn't cost a ton
0: no no, but it's wait and see with Alex line. I hope it works out. Um, He's one of those goalies. Actually, you can say that about any goalie in this league, but they get hot <laughs> for a few <laughs> months and then they just
1: die. Any, any, any goalie, <laughs> pretty much any goalie will look like a Vezina candidate for two weeks in a season. And they'll also look like they shouldn't be in the league for a month. Like that's just what goaltending is. And you got to try and time the hot streaks.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, true. Uh, Jonathan Quick, he's been really
1: good too. Kind of uh yeah, it's kind of disappointing because I, I feel like he's not gonna play a lot, but he's been so good. Like if you're a team that needs goaltending help, um you, you how
0: probably... can you not play him though? The Rangers, I mean. Well just to she, save Shisturkin.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess I guess they're far enough ahead now in the standing. I think they're ahead of Boston now. Like they're they been just been beat Boston, really well. yeah. yeah, so like maybe they could rest Shisterkin more, but I don't know. I feel like Quick is I don't even know if I'll get one game a week, maybe one game every 10 days, give or take. Um, we did see this around. last year when
0: Quick joined Vegas, where he was really, really good to start. and yeah. then it just kind of fades. So for him, I think fatigue and injury and age is a thing for him.
1: Well, that, and that might be why he's playing better, because if he's a true backup this year, which is the first time he's kind of been that in his career, mm-hmm. like he's only going to have to play 30 games. He might be more rested, right? So mm-hmm. we'll see. But yeah, it's going to be tough. I think as a streamer, he's great because... Yeah, same. The Rangers look really good, but I think it'd be tough to roster him full-time. I don't Mm -hmm. think he'll play enough.
0: And one last note about goalies. This is actually a question that producer Connor had.
1: Um, All right, Connor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He has a question. He's stuck with Philip Gustafsson. What do we do with Philip Gustafsson? And with the Wild struggling so much, do we buy low on anyone on that team? Because this team in the past two years, even with that dead cap with Suter and Preezy, They've been pretty good. So maybe they can turn it around.
1: I, I'm not as optimistic as you. I'm off. I'm off. <laughs> well, that wall. I don't know. I'm
0: just saying, <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs either.
1: No, um, I think this year they're hit pretty hard, but like, I think it's almost 15 million in dead cap. I, I don't know how you can compete in today's NHL um, with that. Imagine so, if they didn't have Rossi and
0: Faber on those contracts.
1: Yeah. Right. So I, I don't see a, Great turnaround coming. Um, I know Connor's other goalies are Samsonov, Wool, and Vasilevsky, right? Yeah. So I think in that case you can safely drop Gustafson. I don't like. He's carrying, clearly the worst. Yeah, I don't. I don't like carrying more than three goalies. I think that would just you, you have more flexibility to add a skater there. So, but Connor, even if drop Gust- yeah, even if you have to cut Gustafson's playing the worst. Yeah,
0: he's on a bad team. Uh, he's. Losing a bit of time share to Marc Andre Fleury, which is shocking to me to say, even um, and I think if Gustafsson picks him up, uh, depending on how deep your league is, maybe you can pick him back up. I just don't think you're 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 probably wasting a roster spot because you're benching him every game right now. Yeah.
1: And we and like we just talked about how unpredictable goalies are, you know. Yeah, he's kind of—he had a cut out five straight teams. Well, this. he had a great year last year, but he hasn't. You know, he came into this year played. He's only played like 70 NHL games, right? Like it, it's not shocking to see him kind of take another turn here. So, yeah, I think it's it's tough on the Wild right now. Yeah, they just don't
0: look good as a team. Uh, Matt Boldy struggling. Kaprazov not playing up to snuff. Hartman's getting dropped in the lineup. Is there anyone else? on the wild that maybe you'd like to buy low
1: i i kind of i would maybe buy low on Boldy. i just think he's a good scorer Uh, Mm -hmm. only one goal so far you know 30 last year i I think he was getting some time with on too for a bit Mm -hmm. um but they bumped him back down so if it doesn't cost you a lot i take a chance on Boldy, especially if you're in a keeper league like maybe this year's a write-off for him but i think he's going to be like a perennial 30 35 goal score in the league yeah i
0: thought with jared spurgeon coming back they'd be better but not that's not the case yeah Hmm. but anyway all right sleeper and keeper time
1: all right uh we just sort of talked about him but uh alex lyon going goalie um for the reasons we just talked about good schedule this week playing better i would see where this goes with him um i also want to add another sleeper jonathan drew back in the top six (laughs) back on the top power play two goals and three points in three games now um he's another sleeper i'd look at a good schedule for colorado this week four games (laughs) Um, he kind of, we kind of talked a lot about him in the summer as maybe, uh, kind of like a hail Mary deep sleeper, obviously fell off the radar radar, but he's kind of back going again. So I'd look at him and my keeper is JJ Paterka, uh, 14 points in 14 games, quietly producing well, widely available in most leagues, uh, kind of taking advantage of the Tage Thompson injury. He's getting some power play one time. Him and Casey middlestat have been really good. That's actually been, been great. Yeah,
0: y- yeah. That second line with middlestat and Paterka has actually, in my opinion, been their most reliable.
1: Yeah, they're just not out. like they're they're not like explosive and flashy. Like it's no, very, they're just it's really just like a point. In- it's a, yeah, it's a point like every other game. Like if you go back to last year, middlestats had like almost a point per game since like mm-hmm. two thirds of the way through last year. Like he's been playing really well.
0: Not a whole lot for peripherals, but the assists. Maybe yeah. I should pick up middle stat for the assist. Plus Straight <laughs> to links, lo- he's good. Yeah. Plus minus. I'm terrible with the plus minus. I'm always like dead oh, last in the league. That's, random. Yeah, that's I just, random. No, I just take good players on bad teams too often. It's my <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. My sleeper of the week uh, Dylan Strom. I've gone back to this well a couple times <laughs> this season. <laughs> I just like their schedule. San Jose uh, and Anaheim this week. I know all the games are on the road. Um, but I just like the upside, uh, when he plays with Ovechkin, they don't really have any other top tier playmakers, uh, Kuznetsov's back, but we shall see. Um, I, I think think Strom's on a bit of a dry spell right now, but I wouldn't surprise me to see him pick it up. Um, uh, my keeper, I kind of mentioned him already. And if you're in a 12 or 14 team league, I think Kurushev has a lot of points value just because... He's playing Bedard, and and he really has the easiest job of all time, just Mm -hmm. passing the puck to Bedard. I don't care if he does it in the defensive zone or neutral zone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, anytime you play Bedard and he's on pace for 50-something goals, which would be the most by a rookie in the cap era, other than Ovechkin, um, I I think there's some value there.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you about the cap schedule this week. I really like it. So Mm -hmm. four games is good.
0: Awesome. All right. Good luck this coming week. Uh, this is the end of episode 12. Please like, subscribe, and rate if you like what you're listening to, and we will be back next Monday.